Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Today on the podcast, Michael and Nate are joining you on Christmas Day to talk about the Incarnation. Why is it so important that Jesus came to earth in the flesh? So we hope you'll sit right back and relax and enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey, Michael, how's it going this week? Going well, Nate. How are you doing? I'm good, and I can really say week because this is two weeks in a row we have recorded a podcast. Aren't we disciplined? It's like turning over a new leaf or something. It's it's not even New Year's yet. Like We we are preemptively doing better. (laughs) I thought about actually doing some like, because I've been losing weight ever since you called me fat, but that's a story I won't go into too much. But um, I thought about doing a, you know, like a podcast or something, a little blog, blog post about like, does anybody do blog posts anymore? Anyway, about like how, if you could just maintain during December, you'll be at 10 to 15 pounds ahead of everyone else in January and yourself, <laughs> like normally, cause you know, most people are like, I'll start January one. Yeah. And if you could just like set your goal to like maintain your weight between here and January one, you'd already be five, 10 pounds at least ahead of yourself from previous years. So we are doing that podcasting. That's where I'm getting to. We are preemptively creating discipline in December when it's not supposed to be possible. All right. But what are, are you telling me that if I, if we do this podcast that I will be five to 10 pounds lighter than I would be next year? Guaranteed. And if people <laughs> listen to us, they're, they'll lose weight. Just listen. It's just, yeah. You'll expend <laughs> so much energy laughing. Yes. Be... Oh, hey, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Paula laughed out loud a couple of times and I'm like, see, we're funny. <laughs> we're funny. It's good for you. You don't like to admit it, but we're funny. This podcast is good for people. Speaking of funny, this week when I was preaching, I had one of those moments where I was trying to talk about the smoking fire pot that was God's presence in the story of Abraham in Genesis 15 that kind of goes between the the carcasses of the animals to seal the covenant or whatever, show Abraham about this covenant. And I said, somehow it sounded like I said God was smoking pot. <laughs> it was one of those pastor yeah. moments where you're like, yeah, everyone started laughing and I knew what I had said. And so I'm like, no, God is not smoking pot. And of course, we've legalized it It's a, with a medical card in, in Oklahoma, which means we've legalized it. You can get a medical card anywhere. <laughs> yes, I was I was in Oklahoma recently, and I'm just there are so many dispensaries. Every street corner. And so, of course, everyone's laughing. I get a message in my pocket. I don't check while I'm preaching, but they've already created a meme and it's got this cloud of smoke shaped like a heart because i was talking about the steadfast love of god right right right. and it said something like god is smoking pot of and uh 
god of of the smoking pot or something and it said hashtag high on love high on love. and that was for my daughter-in-law so shout out to kobe for creating that during my sermon i guess you could say at least she was paying attention right yeah Thanks. and sometimes kobe's really tired on sunday mornings i don't know if she actually is awake half the time so because <laughs> she's working two jobs right now so it's like she has an internship and a job. And so Sunday mornings can be a struggle. So I was proud that she was awake yeah. enough to know exactly what I had said and call me on it. And of course, all my young adults are giving me a hard time as soon as I get back to the sound booth to get rid of my microphone and all that stuff. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. Fun absolutely. day in church yesterday. Yeah, we had a this fun day in church. Miss. We had when a fun day in church, church, too. Yeah. the uh, We had a potluck. We had our holiday potluck. Yeah, um, I think we talked know. about that last week because we were having ours. Yeah, and was we it did, good? It was good. We had more food than we needed, which is awesome. Because you know, you're always like hoping that everybody's gonna bring something, and you know, the church says, "Well, we'll buy them some meat." Yeah, and we'll provide all the plates and cups and everything. But man, people people brought a ton of stuff, and it was good stuff. Uh, one one couple brought a, a shrimp cocktail plate, and I ate so oh, many wow. shrimp. It was so good. I love shrimp. And so anyway, it was just a wonderful time. But uh, there was this really cool part of the service because, you know, we we set up when we tear down every week. And so uh, during the, the when the second song starts, I've always like got people as they come in to church. I asked them, would you take the second wreath off the altar on the left? And would you hang it on the first hook on the wall on the left as soon as the second song starts? And so we have, you know, there's five wreaths. Um, and everybody moved to it. And there's two little girls whose mama, their mama sings on the praise team. And uh, so they're just sitting there by themselves. She's a single mom. And um, so a couple in the church went and got the two little girls and they took them with them to get the wreath. And then we got, somebody took this really great picture of Mel holding up Juliana <laughs> to uh, to hang the wreath on the hook. And it was just such a picture of the family of faith doing things together, doing life together, as we say. And uh, yeah, it, it was just awesome. everybody moving. There was so much movement in the sanctuary and they were all moving to do their part. And then they returned to their seats and they're singing the whole time. And the song that's being sung is, Oh, come all you faithful. And so it's just really uh, just a beautiful moment. I was I was really excited, and then of course the conversation that we were having was about Psalm eighty five, and yeah. uh, how how steadfast love, like you were talking about, how faithfulness, righteousness, how peace uh, are made uh, incarnate in Christ. And so it was a lot. Of, it was a it was a good conversation. It was just a good Sunday. Yeah. Well, speaking of incarnate, segue. <laughs> We promised in our last episode, because I re-listened to it, we promised that we would talk a little bit about the incarnation. And that's not really a, a word that we use a lot outside of the church. So you don't maybe you don't use just, that word? You're not talking about that all the time? I, I don't generally talk about, you know, being incarnate and so what just to start, let's talk about what the word means and then why it's so important. The yeah, because you probably people have probably driven past churches that have it on their sign, uh, Church of the Incarnate Word, or something yeah. of that nature. Um, the Incarnate Word, 
Yeah. I, you know, I've always just defined it and understood it to be defined as being made flesh. Yeah. So there's a story when I was a kid that um, somebody told, uh, and I've just remembered it pretty much my whole life. I think I was probably a preteen when I heard it. And um, it, it just was about this little girl and she was laying down to go to bed. And so her dad had gone in her room and she, he was reading her a bedtime story. And as he was, as she was drifting off, he finished the story and he laid it on her nightstand and he tiptoed out of the room. And as she was, as he was leaving, she called him back and, you know, cause she was dad, I, I'm not asleep. Um, I'm scared of the dark, uh, you know, or whatever. And, and he, so he goes back and he reads some more and he, two, two or three times this happens. And, um, and so he's leaving and she says, daddy, I don't want to be alone. And he said, well, honey, you're not alone. Jesus is with you. And she says, yeah, daddy, but I need Jesus with skin on. Yeah. And so the dad, you know, of course, that That's kind it. of response from the daughter uh, prompted him to sit there. And so he sat there by her bed until she fell completely asleep, you know, because she needed Jesus with skin on. And sometimes we need Jesus with skin on. And so God has come in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we mean by incarnation. Yeah, literally. And I looked this up because I was just trying to make sure the the word means in and then caro means flesh. So if you want to just put it right out there, it's in the flesh. In flesh. And yeah. it's super important because we can talk a lot on this podcast probably about the idea of dualism, which is one of the things I really want to get into to with my students because there's this idea sometimes that we have this spirit and this body, they're separate, which is not a, it's not a Hebrew understanding of the world. It's more Plato, the philosopher. Um, and so we can think that somehow, you know, our spirit or our soul can be saved and then our body doesn't really get affected by that. You know, we're just kind of here waiting for heaven or whatever. And, and there was always this understanding since the beginning of the church started, it was like the spiritual was up here and it was higher. And then the flesh was lower. And even the fact that the flesh was evil. So we get a lot of this body negativity stuff that happens in church with sexuality and things like that. And, and so really when we look at Jesus being born in a manger, it's like, no, you can't believe this. Like, because God became flesh. Like you right. can't separate the two. No. And Jesus being in fleshed means that we can never do that. We can't separate out some kind of spiritual life from our bodily life. That it sure. affects all of us, that our relationship with God encompasses all of who we are. Right. There's there's always this problem with um with the incarnation and with the sort of a Hellenized population, uh, meaning that we have Greek thought bumping up against Hebraic thought uh, and some, some differences. There's always a debate on this is exactly how it worked for the first four centuries. You know, there was this thing called Gnosticism, you know, this heresy in the church that, or this, this heresy that the church condemned um, early on that, that said, you know, that, uh, that dealt, dealt with this spirit versus flesh kind of thing and dealt with this kenosis, this special knowledge. And there's actually a, a an idea that, that maybe uh, Jesus 
woke up on the cross that that Jesus the the man that we knew was a man possessed by the spirit of God and then when when he died or when he was dying the spirit of God left him and that he, this guy woke up on the cross and said Eloi Eloi lama sabachthani this was used to explain why Jesus would say my god my god why have you forsaken me uh they were saying yeah. well the spirit of God had left him and so he woke up to this and was like what is going on so Monty Python made a joke about it uh, and it's called the life of Brian. If you're interested in seeing a, a movie about uh, yes. her heresies and struggles in the church, uh, that's just really silly, uh, in some parts, but they're actually making commentary on these things. It's, uh, so incarnation is not easy to wrap your head around that God became flesh and dwelt among us. Um, Sometimes we want to say, well, God sent his son. Well, in our Trinitarian thinking, we can break him apart that way. But essentially, if it was God on the cross and it's God in the manger as well, that that's yeah. not the son of God separate from Father God. That is God in the flesh among us. Emmanuel, a promise that was made centuries before Jesus arrived to say uh, that God would be with us. Yeah. And, and it just really, um, for me, it's kind of everything as far as like this idea of one, God is not distant Two, we cannot segregate ourselves into body spirit. I'll have discussions with my students about, you know, in the South, there were good Christian and I'm using air quotes there people who, you know, continued to push for slavery, continue, you know, and it's, well, how could they do that? How could a person think this was right? How, you know, in our day, we, we look at that and we say, how in the world? And I say Gnosticism, dualism, like they split their body from their soul. So what yeah. their body was doing to other people, they were saved and going to heaven the whole time. Right. And we do that in all kinds of little ways, but that's a very extreme example of how, this kind of separation of our body from our soul can be very detrimental and dangerous because we can do all kinds of things in the body as long as our soul's, you know, going to heaven. We can treat people however we want in the body. Like uh, we, it, we don't really think that, but we kind of separate the two in our mind. And so then we, we realize, well, when we separate it, bad things really happen. Well, and sure. The fact we, that Jesus yeah. came like that in in the flesh says we can't separate we can't yeah we can't separate it and we do separate it and here's a simple here's this real easy um example of that is gluttony right yeah. like we can live in excess uh and not claim that we have a spiritual problem uh but an undisciplined life arguably is a spiritual problem and and so you know consuming too many big macs uh might be related to a lack of discipline in other areas of your life, or, you know, at least in the, in the health issue of your life. And so uh, preserving life, doing good with your life. Um, I was talking to uh, a pastor friend of mine just this week, and he was telling me uh, he had read a, once read a proverb. Uh, I think it was a Chinese proverb, or, uh, and he was saying that it had a significant impact on his life because he said, I once read about a man who went around doing good or went about doing good. And he said, and I find that oftentimes I just go about. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's the, there's this essential nature to the incarnation that says we go about doing good. 
like if we if we look at Christ, we see that God in the flesh is God doing good among us and being for us and being for his neighbor and even encouraging us to love your neighbor as yourself, right? So there's this really significant thing uh, uh, about the incarnation and because it becomes an invitation to us uh, to, uh, to, to join with, to uh, partner with, to uh, be one with, Right, John chapter seventeen invites this whole conversation yeah. to be one with God. Um, so God was made one with us, and we are invited to be made one with God. Uh, yeah, I just saw a quote online attributed to C.S. Lewis, and I had to be a little bit of a smart aleck about it, but it was, you know, that Christ became what we are, so we could become like what Christ is, or something like that. C.S. Lewis said that in some way, apparently, but I told the person quoting it, I was like. There's a guy named uh, Athanasius who did that way before C.S. Lewis. Way, like way before C.S. Lewis. This is like the incarnation. This is the whole point since, I mean, very early on, Christians have understood that because God became what we are, took on flesh, united his nature with our nature, if you will, we are now united with God, intertwined with God for eternity. Like So now we can become Christ-like. And it's so bold when you say it out loud that we can become like God, but we've used the term Christ-likeness forever without thinking much about it. Like we're supposed to live in a Christ-like manner. Well, Christ is God. So if we're talking about living, God became what we are so that we can now become like God. Yes. The, we can it's look not, like God in this world. Right. It's not an invitation to take God's seat. No. It's an invitation to partner with God, to be the apprentice in God's workshop. It's God is good yeah. all the time. Michael is good some of the time. Michael just wants to be better at being good more often, right? Well, so, I think it's a, an invitation to take God's character, to care about yes. the things God cares yes. about, the, to love the things God loves, to hate the things God hates. And it's through the work of Christ becoming one of us that we are then united to Christ as we participate. And sometimes it's hard. Christ. Yeah, it's, it's hard for us to kind of wrap our head around what what might be the character of God. I mean, I hear people talk about, well, that's not in the character of God. Well, I'm not sure that we always know what we're talking about when we're talking about the character of God, because that's a really big subject matter. Um, and it somewhat escapes us because how could we how could we ever grasp the the height or the depth the the breadth of of what who God is and so uh, the favor that is done for us the gift that comes at Christmas time the the gift that we're celebrating is that God was made flesh and dwelt among us so that we could see an example not of what it would be like for what what it's like for God to be divinity or divine but for God to be human what would that look like because we don't ever yeah. expect to be um, fully God, fully divine. Right. We expect that we will always be the created, not we will never attain to uh, the level of creator, um, except as we partner with the creator. Um, and so, well, it, yeah, it shows us what God's like with skin on, like your what's, yeah, with skin on. And so we get to see that. So we get this little, this picture into the life of Jesus. What was Jesus like? You know, um, 
And and there are times when we don't even understand what he's doing there. So, yeah. you know, like even yeah. Nicodemus comes to him and says, ask some questions and in, in, about how can I be born again? And Jesus like, if I'm talking to you about these things, these, these earthly things, and you don't understand them, how can I ever talk to you about heavenly things? And so there's some need on our part to see God incarnate so that we can understand how we might even approach being like Christ. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one song that always comes to my mind in this discussion is Joan Osborne and her song, What If God Was One of Us? And I just want to go, Joan Osborne, hello, Jesus. <laughs> just a slob like one of us. I remember how did, off-putting did that it? was. To so yeah, what? I, I mean, like, I want to say to her, did you miss it? Like, oh, yeah. No, it, it was it was there. It happened. it happened. That's the story. God was one of us. Yeah. The slob comment did get some people. And I'm oh. thinking that is what Jesus was, though. Like Jesus pooped his diaper. That's, you know, yeah. I don't know if they had diapers. His I, yeah, I'm not sure clothes. how, how his diapers swaddling were, clothes. His swaddling clothes. But yeah, he he did. He spit up, you know. Yeah. He, as an adult, he, you know, he's a and grown I think man. That's what she meant by it. Just a normal, average yeah, just a regular person thing. like yeah, but, one of us. Not that God was a slob, like he didn't clean up after. Himself. But I remember when that song came out, how offended some Christians were at it. They were like, just yeah. a slob. Like, well, God would never be a slob if he was. God could never be a slob. Thou shalt be cleanly. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I just wonder what. Sorry. what we've done to the nativity you know because we've gone in with the with our with our dyson vacuum and and really clean that yes place up, you know? yes i was we were watching the chosen christmas special this last wednesday it's a couple years old but i thought yeah we retell the story every year when we watch it uh-huh. and we were all talking about what stood out to you and i was like here's what stood out to me joseph joseph took a shovel and scoop poop away from where Jesus was going to be. And I was like, I got chills. Yeah. The the poop yeah. scooping got me. Because it was me. like, <laughs> yes, that's real. Uh-huh. That's what a manger, that's what a stable looks like. Yeah. This is what God entered into. Just a slob like one of us, Joan Osborne. Hopefully people don't come after me for saying that. Yeah. But I also said God was smoking pot this this Sunday. So <laughs> I'm already in trouble. I think you're already as in deep as just, troubles you're gonna get. Yeah. Some of the things I've said at my church, my church is so gracious. Um, but they also want me to be real. And I think that's the thing is like you said, when we sanitize the manger, when we take the humanity out of it, that is one of the things I like about the chosen. One of the things I don't like about the chosen is there is this tendency for people to take things like that and say, that's the Bible. And they're doing a lot of interpretation. They are. They're doing, they're a, doing they're, a lot of imagination. Yes. And I need to read the Bible. Right. Along yeah. with watching the chosen. I'm generally, I'm generally speaking, I'm, I'm very pleased with the interpretation. I, I don't have a hard time with the interpretation, but you know, um, I'm not sure that there's a, uh, there was the sermon on the Mount scene where they were all in the green room behind the stage i'm not sure yeah, that you know that, that would annoyed me <laughs> but you know but i don't care like it was such an americanized picture like jesus needed a stage yeah. like tell your story they're talking behind the stage uh, before i was like no i think that was not do that one i think that was an effort in relevance you know yeah maybe, maybe trying so. to bring our way of thinking into the 
situation. I, I don't know that that's how it happened. I don't I don't even care yeah. if that's how it happened. I did love that there were times when lots large crowds sat down and they couldn't hear what he was saying. And the disciples had to go out and, and kind of in a chain yell to the further up part of the crowd. Right. Well, I, we can't hear him. And so they would yell to them what he was saying. So they were his microphones. I thought that was pretty clever uh, use. I of... do like that. They've delved into to the humanity of it. That's what I was getting oh, at. Like, I love it. I, I some just... of the conversations between like Peter and his wife and, you know, like, They've yeah. tried to think, well, how would this go over? And even though some, I'm sure some of their understanding, just like when I read scripture, some of my understanding is pretty Americanized. I'm sure theirs is too, but at least they've taken an effort to say, okay, these are human beings. Yeah, these are people. Jesus was a human being, mm -hmm. like not sanitized Jesus to the point where, you know, he couldn't be a real human being. Now there were a couple of times in the chosen I've taken issue because they did spiritualize some things. Like when they did the, the story of Jesus preaching in Nazareth and, and, you know, talking about this, the idea of the year of the Lord's favor, they, I, I think Jesus even said out loud, well, it's a spiritual, uh, you know, freedom. And I'm thinking, no, I think Jesus came to actually, physically free people. So, so there's still times when we tend to do that spiritual verse, even when we're trying to do our best to humanize oh, the thing. Absolutely. Well, and that the year of the Lord's favor, you know, I think maybe we are, we have a hard time believing that uh, God could come and upend all of our governments and yeah. that it could really, it could really change to the point where, um, where the marginalized are taken care of, where debts are forgiven and, yeah. and where, where the financial gains of po uh, political things, uh, are made, made mute, you know, and, and yeah. caring for our neighbor becomes the highest priority. I think we're just at the point where we're like, yeah, that's never going to happen. Um, yeah. And I think we think, okay, but if we don't have, I know our structures are corrupt, but if we don't have them anarchy you know like yeah, yeah anarchy if, if we don't have some kind of control who's going to be in control who's going to be in control yeah and really you know it's it's the christian way and the way of jesus is is like once you surrender control then you find life it's like once you give then you realize that someone else is going to take care of your needs that that's what i was thinking about even when you were talking about the potluck is it's amazing when everybody just comes and gives how there's plenty and you're sending stuff home with people afterwards. Like we were trying to get people to take food and everybody's like, no, no, I have enough. Where did all this food come from? It came from us being yes. generous, right? Like, yeah. but when everyone's generous, there's always a surplus and there's such a surplus that we can't even get people to take it home. That's crazy. Yes. There's such a surplus that we can't get people. There's there's more than enough, and the quality is not diminished, right? Yeah, we didn't because yeah. nobody was worried about the bottom line. Like there yeah, was, yeah. we weren't trying to turn a profit. We weren't trying to figure out how to sell it. We were just going to consume it. It was celebration, and if there was waste, if there was excess, it was because we got we got we just we band together and we made sure that there was more than enough. And we did that on purpose. We chose to be extravagant and excessive 
because this was worth it. This fellowship, this gathering, this sharing was worth it. We wanted, we, we were okay with there being enough for people to take home to have lunch on Monday. Right. Yeah. Like my, my lunch today was some of the shrimp left over from the shrimp cocktail and some of the brisket left over that was brought and some of the ham that was left over that was brought. Like I had a little bit of a little bite of each thing that was, that was left um, because somebody packed up a little lunch for me and said, here, pastor, yeah. take this. Cause there was more than enough. And, but I wasn't the only one, like that was the invitation at the end of the potluck. Everybody there's, there's some more. We're about to pack it up. If you want to come and get lunch for tomorrow, come and get it. And I took a whole bunch of stuff, like a meal to the, to the custodian responsible for cleaning up after us, you know? Right. So like he, he got a good meal. He and his, his brother-in-law was over at his house. And so they, they both got to eat a meal. Uh, yeah, and so awesome. there was more than enough. Like this has got to be what the kingdom of, of heaven is about. This is this coming king. There's more than enough, even, even when it seems hopeless. Have you seen this um, like four or five days ago, there was this picture of the Christ child uh, and the candles in the rubble of a church in Ukraine. Have you seen this? I did see that. Yes. Yeah. Powerful imagery. Yeah. Like uh, just this, this statement that, um, God is God is going to be present, even in our suffering, even in our struggle, even in the days where it's just rubble. Uh, we believe that God is present uh, in our hands and in our feet and in the way we behave, the way we go about life. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna see hope even when there's no hope to be seen. Yeah, and isn't that really what Christmas is? That God enters into like the most messy places yeah. uh, i, I, I said that's ukraine, why i like yeah. the manger i said ukraine there but I, I i think it was a palestinian uh yeah yeah church yeah. Uh, i saw so i apologize there's just too many wars going on around the world uh to keep track of where all of the hope is coming from um yeah which is such a crazy thought right there's so much people human beings i think it's because we were created in the image of god that we have a we have a resiliency and a persistent hope because think about like incarnation is god hoping right I, which right. i've said that before and it drives some people some people crazy and it makes for difficult theological uh discussion because some people want to say well god can't hope cuz god knows and i i'm not sure what to do with that because i it seems to me that god is hopeful Right. right, because God yeah. came in the car incarnate. Um, we're saying this is never going to change. Everything's going to be the same. Things are always going to be terrible. Human beings are um, totally depraved, but it doesn't appear that God believes that. God, God apparently right. believes that we can be transformed. I think transformation is a hopeful thing, and God has it for us. Yeah, I that's that's so good. I I think uh, you know we definitely. We, we do a detriment to ourselves when we don't believe that there's any hope for the human race. Um, and I think that's kind of the sentiment around 
and it's sad to me when it when it enters into the church because that is why Christ became human was was to give us hope yeah to give us hope well i think there's one other thing i want to talk about with incarnation if you got a few more minutes i sure do uh, and that is um the idea that incarnation is not just a fact that jesus became flesh but it's also a pattern for ministry for those of us who are following jesus like that uh, i think it's james that says you know hey if you see your brother or sister it is james chapter two you see him naked or without food and you say oh go in peace <laughs> keep warm and eat your fill you know yeah. like but you don't physically do anything uh -huh. about it uh -huh. um then then is that really caring for your brother or sister? Um, it's, it says faith by itself, and that's the old faith without works is dead. And so just believing without that becoming, without becoming that Jesus with skin on for people, I guess would be the way to say it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so incarnation is actually a pattern and a model for Christians, and we're all ministers, so Christian ministry. Um right that we have to be the enfleshment of God in the world. And that's the crazy thing is, you know, we are called the body of Christ. I mean, there's an incarnational term. We are the body of Christ. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Isn't, yeah. Isn't that a picture of atonement? Like those who were uh, set apart from God, those who were the enemies of God uh, are made uh, to be a part of the body of Christ at one yeah. atonement. That's yeah. how atonement works. It's those who were far from God were brought close and made a part of what God was doing in the world. Um, Leonard Sweet wrote a book, So Beautiful. Uh, I don't know. It's probably 20 years old now, but um, but I love it. It's a great book. Uh, and in there, he talks about uh, the church that is inwardly focused, a church that is uh, where is is about commiseration. Uh, it's a, it, he calls them uh, bastions of boredom <laughs> and museums and says that sometimes the church gets very inwardly focused and he turn and he calls those APC churches and he wants to turn it around so that we are MRI churches. Um, and so he gives this kind of idea that, uh, and he, and he breaks it out and that's what the book, that's kind of the structure of the book, but MRI stands for missional, relational and incarnational. And so mm. this is there's that incarnational. Yeah, thing. this incarnational. And that's what it that's what it means to be the church is we have to be incarnational. We have to be pointing to the Christ uh, who saves us and that we are uh, doing our very best to be like Jesus. So we want to we want to behave yeah. like Jesus. Um, it doesn't always come naturally to us, though. Some very often, even though we were created in the image of Christ, uh, even in the image of God, we um, we if we fail to see what it means to be Christ-like because we we are selfish, we are subjective. Um, if yeah. we're hungry and need a nap, we fail to uh, operate in a in an incarnational way, and we operate in a very selfish and inwardly focused way. And so, I think. Yeah, I think it's only by grace and the spirit yeah. of God that we have any chance. <laughs> right. I think I think other centered uh, or yeah, other centered self-sacrificing love is what we learn from the incarnation, right? We see yeah. God uh, God was always other centered and self-sacrificing. 
even in that love. covenant with Abraham, we see that God to Abraham is not required to walk between the animals because God takes on both parts of yeah. the covenant yeah. and says, I will yeah. cover it all. I'll do all the covenant work. I will be the faithful covenant partner. Fidelity is not a problem for God. Infidelity is a problem for us, right? We, we, we are, uh, we cheat. <laughs> we, yeah. we, we well, look I, elsewhere. I said that yesterday when we were talking about that covenant, as I said, we just don't have a very good track record of keeping covenants like with <laughs> no. each other, like no. marriage with like agreements we have in life and with God. I mean, yeah. especially with God, we know we all have broken the covenant. Hey, can I read you a poem that I really love? That's really pertains to this idea of us sure. being, let's hear it. It's a tribute to Teresa of Avila uh-huh. or Avila. Avila. You say. Yeah. But um, she was a martyr. Says, Christ has no body, but yours, no hands, no feet on earth, but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. Yours are his body. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth, but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks, compassion on this world. Christ has no body now on earth, but yours. And I think that speaks to once Christ is ascended to the Father, like we are called the body of Christ for a reason. So I really love that. It's a good poem. It's called it Just Christ poem. Has No Body. If you ever want to read it again, those yeah, be out Christ there. has oh. no body but yours. I said she was a martyr, but the truth is, is that I, the reason martyr entered into my head is because she was the first woman who, the first non-martyr woman to be canonized as a saint. Mm. Yeah, that's why she yeah, was. In my head. I I actually didn't know, so thank yeah. you for clearing that up. Sorry, I yeah. as as you were as you were telling the the poem, I was remembering. Oh yeah, she wasn't a martyr, and that was the crazy thing about it. She was the first woman to ever be canonized who wasn't a martyr yeah. so that was like a you know big deal that was a i good think move. it's you know the, the here's the big thing too for church people people who have been in the church is if we are the the thing that people see and they think of christ if we are the hands and feet of christ then it really does matter how we live in this world because we're representing it's a huge responsibility we, we are incarnating what Christ looks like in this world. And if people see that Christ looks hateful and vindictive and power using the same power systems that, you know, the yeah. government uses. It, it's a strange thing to say though, that that is a huge responsibility because really the responsibility isn't, uh, isn't to come up with the, with how to behave in the world that, you know, right. and just, that's not our responsibility. The responsibility is to stay near, near enough to Christ that we know how Christ yes. would behave, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I meant by that. But yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's very though. good. I love it. The, yeah, uh, so. cause I, I wouldn't know what to do next. And so I am. Mm. Can, so the belief here is that Christ is still at work in the world, right? Like not that, not that Christ, uh, was born, Christ died, but Christ was resurrected and, and continues, God continues to be incarnate in the world. Uh, the expectation is that God would be incarnate through his people, but oftentimes uh, we, we fail to acknowledge the Holy Spirit at work in us 
uh, and when we are quiet, when we practice the spiritual disciplines, when we when we spend time in prayer and in worship and in uh, the study of God's word, uh, we discover uh, that you know those ways in which God wants to be incarnate in us. Sometimes I think we we avoid. I know at least I do. Sometimes I avoid the spiritual disciplines because I'm pretty convinced that God's going to speak to me in those moments where I am <laughs> practicing spiritual disciplines, and He's going to ask incarnation of me. He's going yeah. to say, hey, can I borrow your hands and your feet for a minute? Because I'd like to accomplish yeah. something. And I say, well, I was really hoping to do nothing today. And he says, yeah, I know. But since you're free. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I'm canine paralyzed. That's our, our favorite expression at the cookhouse now. <laughs> when the dog is on you and you can't get up. I'm canine paralyzed. Told it, yeah, they're the ones that we first heard say it. My little nephews are like, I'm canine paralyzed. Like, I like that. We'll yeah. steal that. Yeah, I'm gonna use that. I'll tell I'll tell the Holy Spirit that too. I'm sorry, can't right now. Dog's on my lap. Do you have a dog? I don't have a dog. <laughs> the Holy Spirit might call you on that. I'd be like, Michael, you don't have a dog. Oh, I'm sorry. I but but the proverbial dog is on my lap. Yeah, the, yes. The but, spiritual dog is on my lap. Oh yeah, we'll go back to splitting up the spiritual <laughs> and the oh goodness. Yeah. Well, I, that's why I think incarnation is so big in, in this, you know, we, we talk about it and I think we can pass over it. Oh yeah. God took on flesh, but the idea of God taking on flesh has huge implications for us as far as what it means to be the body of Christ in this world and what it means, what it means that, that God would take all of this on, would enter into our mess. That's why I almost started crying when Joseph was shoveling poop in a stable yeah just I mean, got me <laughs> yeah got jesus didn't um you know just come down here and walk around it was hard i, I mean i don't i'm glad i don't live in that day and age that was a hard oh, yeah. I oftentimes think about how difficult that would have been because survival depended upon you know daily activity there yeah I, my my survival is not dependent from the day he was born. I think we might have talked about that last week, but from the day he was born, he was running from Herod. Yeah. He, and then he, he had some years where there was peace and then he was running from the religious leaders. Yes. He was always, you know, kind of uh, trying to, I mean, on top of having to find fresh water on top of having to prepare meals, uh, you know, on, and living in a peasant class and not, yeah. we could probably, none of us could fathom probably what no, no, the living no. conditions were in Jesus' no. days. Can you imagine, like, think about that and then think about the temptations of Christ, right? Yeah. Uh, you could turn these stones into bread. And I'm sure Jesus is like, yeah, you think I don't think about that every day? Like yeah. how much easier would it be to that turn stones my into parents bread? a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. I, when Joseph said, hey, I need you to go fishing. Uh, how about if I just magically make some fish appear? If I just fill the whole net with 153 fish. Yeah. I love that that miracle. There's just 153. <laughs> For all time, people are wondering, what does that mean? Yeah. What, what is the number 153? What does that mean? Like that detail has to mean something. There were 153 fish. 
I think that was the number. Now I'm questioning myself. When, I, you know, anytime I, you say something on a podcast, it's like, yeah, well, that could how many be people wrong. are going to go look that up? Yeah. Just take my word for it, guys. It's right. I'm always, I never have made a mistake like that. <laughs> it's, I remember one time some guy was really mad at me. He was just trying to pick my sermon apart. And he was like, you said that was second Corinthians. It was really second Peter. And I was like, I probably just misspoke. Yeah. I wasn't. I didn't intentionally try to trick people. Something right. that wasn't in the right place. Like, why would that matter? Which reference it is if unless i just made something up but he was very adamant he lasted about two weeks at the church he did very he didn't last didn't last very long yeah. yeah so simon peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore it was full of large fish 153 yes so many yes i don't not. care about any of the rest <laughs> no what what was the rest of it i'm sorry oh but even so many uh, but even with so many, the net was not torn. 153 yeah. fish. That's John chapter 21, verse 11. Yeah. Well, that's neither here nor there, but <laughs> he could have caught a lot of fish for his dad anytime he needed them. Yeah. One of one of those fish may have even had uh the the drachma uh, the coin. The coin yeah. the coin in its mouth. So I don't know. For all all of the taxes they needed. All the tax He's, money that they need needed. to pay taxes down. Let me go get some fish. Let's go. Let's go. Pull fish. some coins out of their mouth. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think one of the best things we can do during this holiday season is be present with people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The incarnation means that God showed up. Yeah. Right. And I think that's the greatest call of holiness in our lives is to show up, to show up for one another, to show up where the spirit is leading us to, to be yeah. fully present where we are. Um, and, and God has taught us this in Christ, that it is important, it is valuable. It is paramount for, yeah, uh, for us to show up. Put our phones down maybe while we're there and actually be like Jesus with some skin on look for opportunities to be encouraging, look for opportunities to sacrifice for the sake of others and to show love where sometimes even if you're at that family dinner, love might be the hardest place. That might be the hardest place to show love. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of hurts over the years that sometimes you pull up that kitchen rug and everything's going to come out because you've been sweeping it under sweeping there. it under there. There's years an elephant. And years and years. There's some elephants under that rug. Big old elephant in the room. Yeah. So, <laughs> so being present, being flesh, um, living with people in the midst of the the poop in the manger. I mean, that's just to me. That's the Emmanuel. Emmanuel. His name is called. Emmanuel. God shows up. That's the yep. that's the whole joy of this season is that this is a story about God showing up. It's the only thing I've ever tattooed on myself, that word you just kept singing. Because <laughs> it has to remind me. I remember. I've seen you. Well, I love you, man. And love I'm, you too. I wish we could be in flesh together at some point this season. I don't know that'll happen. I know you're gonna be in Lubbock a little bit and you've got a lot going on yeah. this break. 
Yeah. I go to Lubbock. Um, you, uh, Maggie and Tyler, uh, y'all will get to spend some time with them and then we'll get to spend some time with them and then they'll head back to Oklahoma city and yeah. you got family coming in from here and there and everywhere so that we can bounce around and have several Christmas experiences. Uh, well, at some point we will spend some time in the flesh and not just over zoom. How about that? And I am looking forward to that day. Yeah, me too. All right. All right. Well, I'll see you next time. We're going to do another one of these. <laughs> Sounds good. Take care. All right. See ya. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.